Welcome back to the next episode of Tar Heel State of Mind. Thank you so much for joining us. Planning on this being a little bit of a fired up episode while we talk about uh, non-rivalry game against NC State and uh, what could have been a trap game against Boston College. So thank you for joining. I'm Nathan. I'm here with my co-host, Nick and Brad, and we are really excited to talk this week uh, about the two games that took place. So Coming into the week, UNC was 11-6. and We talked a little bit about that record last week. Uh, came into what could have been a pretty big trap game against Boston College. So a uh, little background on Boston College. Uh, to be completely honest, they're not a great team, but they have played in some games that they looked decent. Uh, they only lost to Duke by a couple of points. They actually were potentially going to win that game. They were a rebound away from winning that game. Uh, so I, I think our expectation was that Boston College possibly could give us a good game. Uh, I didn't I didn't think that uh, they were a slouch, and I was a little nervous about that being a trap game. So uh, let's go ahead and dive in, talk a little bit about that game. Uh, a couple other factors going into that was uh, Armando needing another, another double-double to get closer to the double-double record, and uh, also getting a little bit closer to Tyler Hansbrough's rebound record. So lots of storylines coming into the Boston College game. Uh, and a decent matchup, Boston College best player is uh, their center post. So a uh, decent matchup for Mondo. And uh, yeah, let's talk a little bit about that. So Bradley or Nick, I'll let you guys hop in here. And uh, what did you think coming into it? And uh, let's talk first half a little bit. Go on, Bradley. You go first. Okay. So, yeah, I agree, Nathan. This was um, definitely a trap game with a, a Boston College team who's who's pretty scrappy. They've got some good. They've got some players on their team. They've got some guys who can hit shots. Um, their point guard Zachary had a good game, and Quentin Post had a decent game against Baycott. I think he was in a little bit of some foul trouble, um, but rebounding wise, no match for Baycott down low. I think. Armando kind of did what he wanted to on the offensive end. But, um, yeah, coming in, uh, actually went to the game the other night on Tuesday night. So it was a good atmosphere for Carolina. Um, I will, you know, go ahead and spin spin off on this a little bit. But I feel like with these games, these late night, um, week night games, um, they either need to fill the lower bowl of the Dean Dome uh, from the upper from the upper deck or let the, let more students into the games just because um, the atmosphere could be a lot more intense for opposing teams when we, when we do that. Cause the, the Dean Dome definitely wasn't full, but it was a good crowd that showed up. So just, just my two cents on that. I think with those games um, either allowing, giving more student tickets for those guys and, and girls to come in and, and cheer on the heels, they, they get a little ra- loud and rowdy. Um, I think that's helpful at playing at home games and, we played really well at home. We're including the Boston College game. I think we're nine and zero at home, including the state game. We're ten and zero at home, so we're playing super well at home. And um, uh, yeah, so um, just some just some my two cents on that. But as far as the as far as the game goes, um, I think we're falling back into the Iron Five being heavily playing heavily heavy minutes um, when we have a fairly developed bench so I I hate that for this team and I hate that for our starters that we put so much on them that Hubert put put so much on these guys because when 
I mean, we saw what happened last year when, when we went down the stretch and we just didn't have that developed bench and we keep talking about it over and over. But I just hate that that they are finding themselves in the same situation again and, and going in deeper into ACC play in the ACC tournament and, and in the NCAA tournament, you need guys who are fresh. And here we are again playing five guys all in the 30 to 35 minute range. Um, I just hate that for these guys. So Nick, what do you think about this game? I definitely think it was a game that UNC had the potential to play down to the level of competition. But like I say, pretty much every podcast, I mean, Boston College just barely lost to Duke the other night. Then they lose it like the buzzer. It wasn't like a last shot deal they barely lost to. But, yeah, it was the last um, second. Know. Um, I think Post had a good look at a basket or I think he turned the ball over or something. But it was a really close game, yeah. Yeah. Um, see, so like, you know, the ACC kind of from the top eight or top ten teams can kind of – anyone can win at any given time against any other team in the league. Um, but it was definitely, I think, a test. I think Post had just come back from injury, so it wasn't fully fully 100%, but I don't think that would have mattered with Baycott. He did he did pretty, pretty well. I think he had 20 and 16, and he was well on his way to a double-double, I think, in the first half of that one as well. So – I think I think he is for sure our Hashi win for the ACC Player of the Year. I don't think there's anyone taking it away from him this year, especially with you know how he's been playing and how he's probably going to continue to play. Um, the only the other thing I think that I wanted to touch on was definitely um, RJ this month. I think we talked about this. His three point percentage is what in the. F- 40, like 46 or close to almost 50% this month um, on the year. It's I like think 30. in the last in the last six games, he's shooting like 56% from three. It's over 50% for the last. Yeah. I think in the – is it the whole month of January Yeah, or the whole month of January. And, you know, like that sounds great, but like – that's not going to be sustainable for the for the long haul, I don't think. I mean, if we could keep him around 40, that would be fantastic. But he has just been an absolute stud for us. And he has brought – like, he has had a couple of tears where he has single-handedly kept us with, – with, kept a lead for us or put us in the position to keep – like, to have a big lead going down the stretch. And, I mean, he is – I don't know. He's just – he's definitely picking up the slack, I think, where Caleb's kind of – kind of missing some open shots and RJ's definitely hitting his so he's definitely capitalizing on those on those shots for sure um I hate to bring it up again but another another tough shooting knot for Caleb um he was three for let's see no this one wasn't too bad it was seven for 18 two for 10 from three so the three-pointers still aren't falling he had 16 points so he had his average but he's still kind of getting about 10 shot 10 threes up a game and not a lot of them are falling. And even like this game, he had more open shots that weren't going in. Like, you know, like he was either stepping into a three from like a outlet pass or he, and, you know, he wasn't having to do his between the legs dribble step back to the side threes like he usually does. These were open looks that he was still not being able to knock down. So I would still like to see the ball be spread around more because we have some more shooters on the team. But Caleb's still going to try and get his. But I mean, he's. He's doing what he can. I mean, he still helped out, had 16 points. But, I mean, some of these shots, I think, we're still needing to read. He still needs to kind of read the room and know when to pass those up and give them to someone else. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we're, so we're I, 20. I, sorry, I was going to pose a question just ahead. to roll off of that. Um, so we're 20 games into the season right now, about 60, 65% of the way. Do you guys think Caleb is going to turn it on at some point? Do you think he's? it's a – a mental block because he at this point 
you know, I talked about this last podcast. At the beginning of the season, he was forcing shots and getting bad looks. Now it seems like he's getting good looks and not knocking the good looks down. But the, it's almost like the shots that do go down are very, very tough shots. Um, very, like, you know, three or so feet behind the line and hands in his face. Do you think he's going to be able to turn it on before the end of the season? So here's my thing. And I see a lot of people talking about confidence. I don't think Caleb lacks confidence. Uh, I think Caleb is always going to be willing to shoot, uh, whether he's open or not. And I, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's going to start falling for him. Uh, I, I Here's what I do know. I do know that Caleb is going to shoot every game for the rest of the season. And I don't necessarily think that that's a bad thing. Um, because if they start falling, and I think we've touched on this in previous episodes, I think that we have the temp- potential to win a national championship. So I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing, but I, I don't know if they're going to start falling. I can't ever remember a player that I can comp Caleb to, honestly. I, I don't remember anyone. I, I know that Marcus went through a couple slumps, but they weren't slumps where he shot 20, what is it, 25% from three, 20, 26%. Like it was never, I, I never remember Marcus Page having a game where he went one of 10 or two of 10 for three. I'll say that because I think that Marcus, if he was that cold, he would defer to someone else. So I don't, maybe Cole Anthony, Cole, is that a close comp? Uh, because Cole had to do everything by himself. We didn't really have much help around him, but um, yeah, kind of to stay on topic with Bradley's question, I, I don't know, but if it does, I think we can repeat a Final Four run. And if it doesn't, I don't know if we make it out of the first weekend of the NCAA tournament. Yeah, um, I'll piggyback off of that. I think Caleb is just waiting for his one game where he just absolutely shoots like six for eight from three and has like 27 points, you know, eight assists. I, I, I think he's due for a game like that. I just don't know if it's going to happen or if it's going to happen as often as we would like it to, because I mean, he played amazing for six games or five games in the ACC tournament. All of these shots that he's missing now, he hit no problem. And, you know, we got the good and now we're kind of having to deal with the bad. And I don't, I think the Caleb we saw in the NCAA tournament is definitely there. But this one is the more consistent one. I mean, he's still getting 16, 17 points a game, but he's not shooting well. And I think that's where, like, some of these wasted possessions aggravate us because you see that we can, you know, from where we're watching on TV, we can see the open guy. We can see the correct pass. Like, Caleb's in the middle, and if he's being taught or trained at practice to do certain things, he's not going to just automatically switch in a game, even though we can see him. Um, But, I mean... This game against Boston College would have been a good one for him shooting that poorly to put someone else in and allow them to rotate through. Because like Bradley said, we're 20, we're 20 games into the season. We're over halfway through. Um, we're gonna. He said we're getting back to this iron five. I don't necessarily think that is the way we need to be going. We like. Do you remember the UNC games where we could rotate four players? We could sub four people out at one time and not miss a beat? Like those were the games when like yeah. we would we would sub four out of five or all five and we would no nothing would miss everything would be everything would be right on par like you know and that and that's just that is the UNC and that I like and when we're at the most dangerous is when we can sub three or four people there was one stint I think in the in the Boston College game where there was Styles Dunn Trimble 
and one of the other and Puff on the floor at the same time. And it was like the best basketball I had seen outside the starting five. And so, like, that's what we need to be able to do is rotate all of those players in at the same time or mix and match them to be able to run nine or ten deep because I feel like that's where UNC's the best. And I feel like, you know, back to Bradley's question, I think we're this is the more consistent Caleb Love, but he, I think we're holding our breath waiting for him to have those NCAA tournament-type games again. One thing I want to mention really quick before, because I know that we're probably going to start talking about the end of the game, but... We've talked a little bit about this in previous pods uh, in our group text, but the reason why that game was only an eight-point win is because, honestly, bad Caleb kind of shot us out of the game. And I don't know if you guys remember, but with five minutes left-ish, they cut the lead to one, and I started getting nervous, man. Like, I was thinking they hit a couple shots here. Caleb comes down and uh, launches a couple 32-footers. We're going to be in trouble. And then good Caleb showed up and came down court and launched a couple 32-footers, but they went in. And he also made a couple plays on defense. And it's like you see those flashes for four or five minutes a game. And honestly, they're at the end of the game a lot of time. Like the first 35 minutes of the game, it's bad Caleb. And then you see the the elite Caleb towards the end of the game. And you're just like, okay, that that's what we need. Can we do that for 40 minutes? So I'll bounce a question back to Bradley. Uh, what do you think Caleb needs to do to find consistency and not just be good Caleb for five minutes a game? How, do you think he needs to be passing more at the beginning of the game? Does he need to see a shot fall? Does he need to get the free throw line? What do you think Caleb needs to do to find more consistency in these games? Um, I think he needs to do both of those things, pass the ball more and um, try to drive and get to the free throw line. I think, um, let's see, in in the Boston College game, he only shot one free throw, and he had 10 three-point attempts. So that tells you right there that he's settling for jump shots as opposed to driving to the basket and trying to draw the foul. And And I think one of the downfalls of Caleb is that he doesn't finish well around the basket. So if he's trying to draw the foul and – he doesn't get fouled, or he try he tries to initiate the contact. He's not going to finish. Um, I think those are things that he needs to work on as far as his game goes. But once you see a free throw go down, I mean that that can initiate so much, so many more things for your game. It can open up. Um, once you see the ba- once you see the ball go in the basket, it just boosts your confidence. So uh, if he can do that early and often. I, th- I think that will benefit him. I also think that sometimes he doesn't make the smart play, and we've talked about this before. When he's driving to the basket, sometimes he draws two or three guys in the lane, which l- it leaves shooters open. We don't have the best shooters in the ACC or the NCAA, but it, if we're wide open, we can knock them down. So I, I think it leaves shooters, and he, I don't know if he doesn't trust his guys. I don't know if he just w- likes to play Caleb ball and just wants to take it himself, but – in those opportunities, and given those opportunities, I think he needs to pass the ball and find the open man. And and we've seen it on fast breaks as well, where we'll have a two-on-one or a three-on-one fast break, and he'll try to take it himself as opposed to making the easy dump-off pass for a layup or a dunk. So I'm not sure why he does that. I don't know if it's selfish ball. I don't know if he doesn't trust the teammates that he's playing on the floor with, but we've seen that several times, and I think a couple times in, in – these two games as well where he just didn't make the smart play and ended up not scoring on that possession. 
I think um, if Caleb is getting others involved earlier in the game, he will open himself up to more to more and better high percentage shots later in the first half and into the second half. That's what I think personally. Um, but see, I have a counterpoint to Bradley. Last year in the tournament, how many floaters did Caleb hit? How many layups did he hit? Like all of these drives and floaters, he was shooting 10, 15-foot floaters from almost a free-throw line in the tournament last year, and he was sinking all of them. The only time he didn't was in the final in the championship. So he has that in his arsenal. I just think he I think he needs I agree with you where he needs to drive more but I think he needs to use his use his um his persona as a shooter as he's going to get his shots up early to his advantage to then dribble drive or like you know his his like street cred as a lethal shooter or a someone who's going to shoot to get others open cuz if he how many times against Louisville, if he would dribble through the lane and he'd kick it out, we had like two or three open threes. Like, if he would do that first, then they have to either commit to stopping him or pop out on that three so he can either get an easy layup or he can get an open shot for someone else. And I think, personally, if he's going to get open shots for others first, it will then open him up to easier shots later in the in the game. I think he just tries to get in and shoot and hit his first two or three or four threes, and that's two or three or four wasted possessions, and I think he needs to switch it and get others involved first and then get himself involved. Yeah, I think lots of good points there. Uh, so we kind of veered off of the topic of Boston College. So just to kind of finish up on that, uh, we end up winning by a honestly – it's a forgettable game. I mean, we survived the trap game. They cut it to one, scared us a little bit. Uh, Caleb honestly closed him out. RJ shot really well, four of seven for three. Uh, he was efficient with the basketball. Love to see that. Uh, Mondo with 20 and 16, another monster game. Uh, Iron Five is back. Every starter played at least 31 minutes. Pete was back uh, from the back injury, so uh, didn't do much on offense. Probably just getting readjusted. Uh, again, DeMarco Dunn's looking good in the spot minutes he's getting. I think he's playing good on defense. So, uh, that's really all I've got from Boston College. Do either one of you have anything else? Because I don't know about y'all, but I'm jumping at the bit to talk about the state game. Nope, I'm on uh, good. Yeah, I, I want to mention RJ because this man is putting the team on his back offensively. and He's carrying the weight of two starting guards and I don't think we give him enough credit. I don't think he was given enough credit at the beginning of the season because he was kind of overshadowed by Caleb Love and what Caleb did last season. But so far, he's play, he's putting on a clinic offensively, um, especially in, in league play, which um, which has been super important for our offense. So if he can continue to do what he's doing, um, even with Caleb playing poorly, I think between him and Armando, I think they can take us – pretty far but we'll definitely need Caleb Love to step up if we want to make another run but yeah we can talk about uh, Moo Yu at NC State alright so let's set the stage here because I've been excited to talk about this uh, full disclosure my wife is an NC State grad so we have a house divided uh, she's not super into sports though which is good for me because um, I usually like have a stroke when I'm watching these games especially when we're playing Duke or State so uh, we come in, uh, State's a good team. I mean, I'm not going to take anything away from them. This is the best year that Kevin Keats has probably had since they went to the NCAA tournament, like 2018, I think it was. So, I, I mean, coming into the game, State's record's 15-4, and four, our record's 13-6, and six, I think. Uh, 
State's got some quality wins. They absolutely housed Duke. Uh, and I, you, we all knew that they were going to play us tough. This was a huge game for Armando. Armando needed uh, one more double-double and 17 more rebounds to break two records. And he said, I want to do it at home. I'm going to bust my butt for it. So this was a big game. Uh, let's talk first half. So at the end of the first half, we're up by one. Uh, not a whole lot of fireworks. Caleb, again, is not being efficient from the field in the first half. Uh, State fouls a lot. So let's talk about that. Coming into the game, State's number one in the ACC in fouls. They foul 20 times a game on the road. And we are first in the ACC in fouls drawn so we draw a lot of fouls because we play inside out and you know I'm going across Twitter before the game and you got your typical state fans oh just what we got to win five on eight the whistle blah 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 blah. okay well you guys play hack-a-shack defense so uh stop fouling and the refs stop blowing the whistle that's the best advice I can give to any state fans that might so happen to come across this uh (laughs) but yeah I'll let you guys pick up uh what'd you see in the first half thoughts um, first five minutes or 15, 10 minutes of the game, we were down 10, 18 to 10 at one point. I thought it was going to go very poorly for the f- rest of the first half, but we kind of drew it back together. Baycott started out good. I think he was a little over too hype at the beginning of the game. He was, he was going, uh, you know, balls to the wall the first, the first, before that Man, first TV timeout. Yeah, he was, he, he, he was going hey on that first, that first two, three minutes of the game, but he calmed down and. You Bro, know, he it, grabbed that ball away from Burns, and he looked at him, and he started talking. I think I had texted y'all, and I said, okay, I like the hype, but let's scale the hype back a little bit before they start swinging. But yeah, go ahead. Oh, man, it was so awesome. It was so awesome. But I mean, that's how you got to be, man. When you're playing your little brother down the road, like, it's always nice to, like, it's always nice to, you know, get a little hype and get the crowd into it, because everyone loves a UNC, NC State game. I mean, the only other time I remember it being that, that good of a game, I think we smoked State by, like, 50 a couple years ago. That was cool. So, but, um, you know, it was a good game. Uh, speaking of the hack-a-shack, we were 36 of 39 from the free throw line, which that is freaking amazing. Baycott was seven for seven. RJ had 14 points from the free throw line. Um, so, you know, we, we definitely killed it there, which I, you know, last year, what was it? We got killed on the free throw line. So I love the fact that we're doing better this year at the free throw line. Um, and like you said, if you're fouling 20 times a game, if you foul every time on a shot, that's forty free throws. You've shot thirty nine, so we shot the average. It's not like it was over. It's not like it was over over the top or you know over out of the ordinary. It was right on pace with whatever state does every game. So, but um, you know, I thought it was a really really good game. I was kind of nervous at the beginning, but you know, we ended up doing pretty well towards the end. And of course, RJ in the first half had sixteen points. You know, rattled off a couple in a row, really kept us in it when we needed it. So, I mean, that man's a dog. He's doing – He's. I think he's going to play himself into first-team ACC this year, personally. I really do think he's going to get first-team ACC. So, that's what I'm hoping for, and so hopefully he keeps it up for the rest of the year. Yeah, if he keeps playing the way he w- – the way he is right now, he definitely will get first team ACC. Uh, the first half was a was a game of runs. Uh, you know, it was back and forth. I think we were up uh, eight to two or ten to five or something, and then State went on like a twelve nothing run, and they went up, they went up by eight, and then we went on like a nineteen to two run. Uh, so first half was pretty exciting, up and down a game of runs. So um, luckily, I think RJ had like twelve points in a row. Uh, between free throws and and shooting the ball, getting some layups, um, and then 
we had uh, Baycott. You know, I think he had in the end of the first half like nine point seven rebounds, something like that. So he almost got his sixty first double double in the first half. But that was kind of the story of the game. And then, and then we'll roll into the second half. So Nathan, if you want to talk about the second half a little bit. Okay, so second half comes along. Uh, RJ kept us in the first half. Guy scored sixteen points. Uh, was it in a row or total? I don't remember. It was total. I think he had 12 in a row. Yeah, 12 in a row, 16 total. So we go in, one-point lead. Thank you, RJ, for that. Uh, so second half, I mean, it's just back and forth, honestly, for you know 10 minutes or so. Well, then the fireworks start. So everyone notices that uh, Terquavion Smith, state's best player, goes up for a layup. Our best defender goes up to block the ball and I think it's very important to mention he got fingers on the ball right so he did get fingers on the ball uh his arm comes down which is uh physics uh state fans so physics is this thing where like what goes up must come down uh so his arm comes down and Turquavion Smith's face is there unfortunately uh so Turquavion takes a hard fall uh, looks pretty brutal on the court. Uh, it, it was hard to tell on TV. It kind of looked like maybe like fencing posture, which happens when people get concussions. I didn't really know what was going on. Uh, it looks a little worse. Then you see the stretcher come out. Well, you know, then you already see it on Twitter, your typical state folks saying that was on purpose. Leaky wanted to injure him. That's our best player. So I just want to say from a personal perspective, I grew, I live in the Charlotte area, uh, very close with people who know Leakey. His mom is a principal of school. I followed Leakey all through Concord High School, transferred down to um, Florida to IGM Academy, came back to play at Cox Mill. Montverde. Montverde. I'm sorry. Montverde. Yeah. So I followed Leakey his entire career, right? Like I, I, I don't personally know him or his mom, but I know people who do know know them very well uh leaky is the most stand-up human being is where i'm going with this like we can criticize leaky's offense whatever but there is no question that he is a good human being and i no doubt in my mind he would never try to hurt another player so i just want to throw that one out there uh unfortunate circumstances so turquavion gets hurt uh it gets fiery after that right so uh they're fired up. We're fired up. Uh, Leaky gets a flagrant two. Should not have gotten a flagrant two. That was a result of uh, the ref seeing what happened in the play, not what actually transpired during the play. So that's unfortunate, but I get it. You know, I, I get it. You know, you see a guy get carried off in a stretcher after he gets hit in the face. We're going to eject the player that did that. Okay, whatever. Um but yeah, so we lose Leaky in that moment. Uh, state fans are calling for, on their message boards, their football team to take out Drake May's legs. They're calling for fights at PNC February 19th, saying that Leaky needs to leave on a stretcher. Baycott needs to leave on a stretcher. It's unfortunate where that ends up going. Uh, so let's talk after. So what did you guys see after uh, the flagrant two foul where Leaky was ejected? I think that... State was kind of deflated after that because at that point, where are, gonna, where are they going to find their offense? They've got Joyner, who's a good guard, and they've got Burns, who's a pretty decent um, inside player. So, and we we can follow the, both of those guys. So Joyner hit a couple mid range jumpers to kind of keep it close, and Burns was just backing down anybody that would try and guard him. Pete Nance, I think, took took a few tries. Baycott and Jalen Washington and. My man just backed him. I think he's only like 6'8", but my boy is thick. 
right? So he was just back. He's like two ninety. Yeah. Like yeah. I think, yeah. Yeah. He's just a big Hey, he's dude. from Rock Hill, from right down the hey, road here. So yeah. yeah, Pete didn't have a chance. He tried his best, no, but he didn't no, have a chance. No, no shot. No, and, and I'll I, tell you, bro, Jalen Washington, boy, yeah. he no, got he back had no down. Shot. Like freshman build. That's that freshman build yes. against the against the grown man, and it, it didn't turn out well for us. But I mean, the dude had like eighteen points, man. Like he yeah. freaking dominated. Like, I mean, you a, can't. He's a he's a good player. He's a good post player. Bro, he was he's got, he's jump got a shot. Yeah, for he real. can shoot. He's got a soft touch around the rim. Um, he played really well, and and I'll, I'll give him credit for that for sure. So he he definitely stepped up in Turquavion's absence, and Joiner hit some shots. But I just don't think that they had the firepower to hang with Carolina after that. And and you got to think too. So yes, it's unfortunate that Smith went down, and I'm glad he's okay. But at the same time, our best defender got ejected from the game and didn't play as well. So I could, I feel like that kind of evened out. I definitely think uh, Leakey's ejection was unfortunate just because it was based on the, you know, the situation. I feel like if he gets up, no harm, no foul. Might have been a might have been a flagrant one at the most, but just for the a repercussions of how he was, at, uh, you know, taken out of the game is why he got his flagrant two, which, you know, I, I completely get it. I think one thing I want to touch on is like, yeah, we, we might little brothers stay all the time, which, you know, they are the little brothers. But at the end of the day, everything is done. I don't like how, like, these fans kind of start asking to, like, get these kids hurt. Like, at the end of the day, like, these guys' goal is to make it to the NBA regardless of what team they're on or to play overseas or to do well for their families. And a lot of them are first-time, you know, first-time graduates or maybe didn't come from the, you know, from a great background where, like, they had – like, they're trying to make it for their family. And I don't like when people start, like, bringing bringing injuries or, like – saying, like, this needs to happen to this player, this needs to happen to that player. Like, everyone's just trying to play, like, everything that happened happened within the confines of the game, and all the extra – there were no extracurriculars after that. Like, you saw that Leakey didn't mean to do that. I mean, he was the first one, the closest to him being stretchered out to, like, say something to him when he left. And, like, you know, I just – there's no – under no circumstance, regardless, should any adult say anything online or anywhere to – wish harm or bodily injury on anyone regardless of like who they pull for or anything like that. And at the end of the day, it's all about the basketball game and people just kind of need to calm down about that. But, you know, um, but to what Bradley said, like our best defender was sent out and then their best offensive player was sent out. So we kind of just like neutralized each other's like biggest asset really at that point in time. Um, I think Smith leads the ACC in scoring, correct? Or he did? Um, yeah, he, he does. does like he does eighteen point three a game. Yeah, yeah, because Baycott. I think Baycott was leading, and then he didn't play, but a minute and a half in the Virginia yeah. game, and that counted against him. So yeah, he does yeah. right now. And so like you know, you you get to that point, and like it's it takes the wind out of your sails for like your best, you know, the best player in the whole conference scoring wise to go t- get taken out of the game. And but I mean, they fought hard, but at the end of the day, UNC came out on top, which is what we were happy with, and Baycott got his record. So it was it was a good game, but. You know, it still it still bums me out that like they kind of take like what is a basketball game that everyone likes to enjoy to watch and looks forward to twice a year and turns it into something outside of the sport. Like we should be looking forward to like hurting each other next time, and that's not what it's about. So I just kind of want to touch on that and make sure that you know we're we're not getting it we're not getting it twisted. Like we're fully here just to support the basketball team, regardless of who you're pulling for, and like that should never be the case, regardless. So. Yeah, so I'm going to hit some uh, facts, some stats here 
which I know that state fans are emotional right now, so stats are hard for them to accept. Uh, so here's stat They're number supposed one. supposed to be state good at comes math. Into, yeah, I know. It's difficult for them, but sometimes it can be difficult for me too, so we can walk through it together. Um, so stat number one. State came into that game leading the ACC in fouls. On the road, state averages 20 fouls per game. Okay, so for your state fans listening, that's about 10 per half. In this game, NC State was called for 27 fouls. Now, we're going to subtract three of those fouls because they were intentional at the end of the game, so that doesn't count. So you guys are called for 24 fouls. That's not much off of your average because the defense that um, Kevin Keats employs is uh, full-court press man, uh, half-court press man, and you guys hack. I mean, that's, that's what he does, and you get called for fouls a lot. Coming into the game, UNC is called for 15 fouls per game, right? Last in the ACC, we don't foul a lot. Hubert Davis does not teach defense. It's very physical. Sometimes that hurts us. We were called for 16 fouls. Both teams were called for about their average. So it wasn't called any kind of crazy way. We pound the ball inside. Armando Baycott is the point of emphasis on our offense. And guess what, guys? We hit our free throws. That's life. Before you guys started intentionally fouling at the end, I think we were 30 of 33. You guys had to intentionally foul six extra free throws. We finished 36 of 39. Kevin Keats gets to the podium. He lies and says that I've never been a part of a game with 39 free throws. Uh, Yes, you have, Kevin, 16 times. Uh, You were a beneficiary of it eight times, and you were on the other end of it uh, another eight times. So uh, it actually happened to you the only time you've ever been to the NCAA tournament at State against Creighton. You guys, again, your defense, you hack people, you guys let them shoot 39 free throws. So uh, miss me with any of that. Uh, The game was called how it should have been called. The only thing that I can go on a tangent about is uh, that's also how Virginia should be called. If you called it by the rule book, Virginia should be giving up 30 fouls a game. But okay, that's my uh, stat time with Nathan segment. I'll let you guys pick it back up. My man speaking facts right now. And I love it. I love it. Um, Yeah, so We'll we'll switch over to Baycott. So Mr. Armando Baycott broke uh, Billy Cunning Billy Cunningham's double double record. He's currently got sixty one at Carolina, and he broke Tyler Hans Hans Brown Tyler Hansbro's rebound record. So he did it um, against State. He did it at home. I think he said he was going to do it. You know, and, and as he was running out, he said, "You know, I told you I was going to do it." So my man called it. He finished with what twenty. 20 points and 23 points and 23 rebounds. 18. Yeah. yeah. So I can't, yeah. And I don't know if we, if this is something, I mean, we've, we've come to the point where he's doing this so consistently. It's like, what will we do as a team when he's not putting up these numbers? Um, so I don't know. I, I, I think that we can't rely on him to do this every single game, but my man is just, putting on a clinic inside and if he can consistently hit his free throws like he did against state then watch out man because he's going to be doing this every single night but i love that man i love everything he represents um so yeah baycott he's putting on a clinic man and i love it one thing i wanted to touch on did you notice that so state was a quad one win if we would have won by like five points but it was a quad two win since we won by 11. Bro, the net – I could go – okay, that could really set me on another tangent. Uh, the net ranking system is ridiculous. It's stupid. Whoever came up with these quad wins, bro, it is beyond absurd. Because 
Yeah, you're exactly right. So basically we lose a quad win because we won by too many points. Don't understand how that works. That makes no sense to me. But uh, there, here's here's another thing that's insane about the net rankings. So I saw this on Twitter. Uh, it doesn't really have to do with UNC, but uh, Clemson, who is seven, eight, and one in the conference, they've only lost once. They've won seven or eight games. Is ranked right beside Virginia Tech in the net rankings. Who is one and seven in the conference? Make it make sense. Somebody help me out I don't with know. this. I got nothing, man. I I don't understand it either. Um, it doesn't make any sense to me. Um, what my question is, do, does the committee, are they currently using the net rankings as their number one tool to seed these teams? Because if they are, then it, it makes no sense because a, a good team, like it really, it just depends on how a team ends up, right? It doesn't matter how they are when you play them. So, I so don't really, know. we it, just it, hope that they are terrible when we play them, but then they beat everyone else to make the record better so we can... So we, exactly. we hope we beat everyone, but then they also they, they lose to us, but beat everyone else. So their net ranking is as high as possible. Correct? Is that pretty much the sum of it? You don't want to beat them too bad because if you beat them too bad, that screws up their net ranking and then screws up your net ranking. So I guess is is what the net ranking telling us is that the best thing to do would be win every single game by one point. I I don't know. I, I don't understand it. It's stupid. Well, if that's the case, then Carolina's going to be very, very good at the net ranking because we can't seem to close teams out, put them away. So. But, yeah, okay. So, finishing up the state game here. So, we come down the stretch. Uh, Terquavion goes out. Caleb gets hit in the face, bloody nose. I don't think they showed the replay on TV, man. I, I don't remember seeing it. I just... Uh, they talked about it, said he got hit. I, I, it sounded like it was almost like uh, accidental. I'm not sure. Uh, Caleb gets up. He's upset. Nose is bleeding. Uh, they take it to TV timeout. Never show it to us again. Not sure exactly what happened. Come back. Flagrant one foul. Not sure about that. Caleb's upset. Uh, Kevin Keats and the state team are yelling back at Caleb. I I don't know. Um, so really weird situation there. Uh, there was another play where Armando got decked in the face on like a jump hook. Somehow the ball goes in. Armando is like shaking cobwebs out of his years coming down court. They don't even review that. So I do feel like after the Turquavion in- injury, State tried to play with an edge. I'm not going to say that they were trying to hurt anyone. I, I don't believe that, but they certainly tried to play physical and with an edge, and I do think that refs lost control of that game a little bit. I don't know how you can call the flagrant two on Leaky, and then Caleb gets hit in the face 30 seconds later, and you call it a flagrant one, and we don't even get to see the replay. I still don't I still don't know exactly what happened, uh, but that's crazy to me. Armando gets hit in the face. You don't even stop and review it. I mean, that man's walking down court you know trying to readjust himself and make sure he's okay uh but you know what we buried him and that's what you do against little brother if they try to play with an edge and they try to play physical you kind of smack them around a little bit beat them by 11 send them back to raleigh sad and that's what we did so proud of the heels proud of armando uh rj rj's my dude uh love him caleb was three of 14 still can't get the shots to fall when he needs them to so uh, yeah, I want to talk a little bit about uh, one thing, and I'll kind of kick a question to you guys. Since Pete has come back from his injury, he's playing iron five minutes, but uh, he did yam one, which was awesome. We've been wanting that out of him, and I think he played okay-ish defense. He had the block on the corner three, but uh, we need, in my opinion, we need more 
for the iron five minutes than a couple plays a game where you're like, Oh, that's awesome. Like, that's what we need. We need it more. What do you guys think about Pete? What's his role going forward? And what do we need from him to make a deep run? I think he personally, I think should split minutes with puff. I think puff should get probably 20 and him get 20. Pete, Pete has this knack of either like he's had his one good game where he had 28. He averages like 10 and six, I think 10.6 points and like six rebounds. But, um, Pete's like one of those, like, he'll hit, like, two threes in the first two minutes of the game, and you're thinking he's, like, about to score, like, 30, and then that's all he does for the rest of the game. Um, he's not really super imposing on defense. He's not – he'll make a play every now and then. That was – that was his dunk, his dribble drive dunk surprised the crap out of me. Um, but it was awesome, to say the least. Um, I think when – I think He was raising Puffer, the roof going down the court. Yeah. I think him and Puff are pretty, I think, interchangeable at the – four because puff is going to give you probably more on defense and about the same on offense if if he gets you as many shots as pete i think you you can interchange them on the court pretty much and i think it would benefit us to play puff more because puff will be here next year yeah i can't i feel like i honestly feel bad that pete transferred to carolina because i know last year after his last year at northwestern he was going into like the NBA, um, what do they call it? Like the like the drills, just to to get um, evaluated, I think. Um, so it's like through the skills test and all that stuff. And then he comes to Carolina, right? And you expect him to play like he's an NBA player, and he he's getting the minutes, right? He's getting the time, he's getting the, getting the opportunities, but it's not consistent. He can hit the three, but it's not consistent. He can drive to the basket like he's gonna get like he did against State, but it's not consistent. And I think that's what we need from him is more consistency. And if we're not getting that, then I agree, Nick, we need to get somebody else on the court and and somebody who's going to be at Carolina for a couple years. I almost feel like Pete is like a bench player, but play an iron five minutes. And what I mean by that is I don't think Pete really knows his role with the starters. So you know what the starters, you know that Armando is going to get a touch. He should be getting a touch like every time down floor. You know that Caleb is going to Caleb. He's going to shoot 15 times a game. You know that RJ is going to get his – RJ's awesome, and I don't mean that in a bad way at all. Like RJ is going to put up shots that he's going to hit and be a significant part of the game plan. Uh, Leaky's going to shoot his five corner threes a game. He seems comfortable in that role. But with all of that being said, what is Pete's role? I mean – what what is is he gonna is he supposed to hit threes for us? Is he supposed to play in the paint with Armando? Is he supposed to hit mid range jump shots? It feels like every game his role's a little different. He'll hit a couple threes one game. Uh, the Ohio State game hits a huge huge turnaround mid ranger uh, to send it to overtime against State. It seems like without rewatching the game, he was playing in the paint a little bit more. I think that they might have a problem where they don't know exactly what they need Pete to do, which can lead to some serious inconsistencies that we're seeing on the court, which would also kind of line up with the report that Hubert Davis kind of challenged Pete and said, uh, we need more from you. We need more on defense. We need energy. And then Pete comes out and just like manhammers that that uh, dribble drive like we were talking about. So I don't know what his role is. I don't know that really he knows what his role is. So uh, yeah, that's my thoughts on that. Uh, anything else that you guys want to add from the state game? Um, I'll piggyback off of your little Pete spiel. I think Pete's role is completely changed based on what size of the guy is that's guarding him 
I think if you have a six seven, six eight guy on him playing a four, he gets in the paint because Pete's six eleven. I think if you've got a six ten, six eleven guy that's not as mobile, I think Pete goes out into the three point area or maybe the mid range to give Baycott more room. Um, I think he has to adjust that. He can shoot, and you know if he can hit down, knock his first two or three down, you're going to pull that guy out even farther. Like you know, you know, for, you're going to have like your first two or three shots of like a four. They're going to sag off into the paint, you know, to get a rebound because a chance. You know, most fours in college aren't going to be doing that. But if he can do that, it's going to one help his draft stock, two help Baycott get more touches and easier touches in the paint and not have double teams coming to him. And, you know, that's what I think. It's basically – it's going to be like, you know, if they got someone six, 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 seven, six, eight, I think he goes into the paint. If he's got someone six, ten or above, I think he's uh, he's on the he's on the perimeter. But that's just me. Yeah, I think it's difficult because Pete – is big, right? He's 6'11", and I think he's taller than Armando. He's not as um, wide and um, heavy as Armando, but I think it's hard because when they play together, they they don't know where to be on the court, but it's not like Pete can come in for Armando and and, and sub in for him either because he's not a true five. So I think that's where, you know, it comes into what Nathan was talking about with with not knowing your role and his role kind of changing depending on who they're playing and who he's on the court with, but... I think we need more from from him, and if we get a little bit more from him and a little bit more from Caleb Love, I, I think that this team can make a deep run uh, in a what in a month, month and a half. So, um, just need more from those guys and more from, from more from them consistently. I agree. So, we beat State by eleven. Uh, feels like uh, 13 and six feels a lot better than 11 and six. So feels like we're kind of moving back in the right direction. Uh, I do think that this week is a tough game. So we play Syracuse in the Carrier Dome, 9 p.m. start. I'm getting tired of the 9 p.m. starts because I like to go to bed early. Uh, Syracuse is pretty good. Uh, I don't think that they're a world beater. I'm not sure that they'll even really be an NCAA tournament team because I don't think they have a lot of quality wins, but they are a scrappy team. Bayheim is going to play that zone, and they are going to be good at it. So, typical, typical uh, UNC Syracuse game. We got to hit shots. If we come out and shoot twenty two percent from three, like we did against State, uh, it's going to be a long game. Because I'll tell you right now, Syracuse isn't going to foul us like State did, and we're not going to get uh, thirty six points from the free throw line. Uh, yeah. Anything that you guys see coming up in that game? I agree, and I think I, I never really worry about Syracuse just because. Carolina teams have had very good outings against them and playing the zone. So I think we can move the ball well, and, and we have guys that can get to the middle of the floor to open up that zone. So once you pass it to the middle, it opens up it opens up the floor. So if we get Leaky in there, get Armando in there, Pete in there, Puff in there in the middle of that zone and make some plays, I think we'll be okay. So it's just not settling for jump shots, and, you know, the zone sets you up for three-point shots. So... If we're going to settle for those, we've got to knock them down. If not, we just got to get to the middle of the zone and make plays. I think the matchup to watch out for in the Syracuse game is definitely going to be um, Leaky and Ger- Leaky versus Gerard because Gerard had 28 points the other night and shot 60% from three. So that'll be a that'll be an interesting matchup. But I feel like that's who Leaky needs to start on in um in that game. And then switch to whoever the hot guy is. But I mean, Gerard, I think Gerard averaged like 
35 points a game in high school and this is like he's averaging 17 and a half in the in the ACC so he's definitely going to be the hot guy for Leaky to take over for that game so we'll see how that matchup goes um I think it's a must win I mean Syracuse is decent every single year regardless of their record so I would like I said top eight to ten teams in the ACC can beat anyone so I think it'll be good um what else happened this week? We had a Duke versus UNC women's game this week. I think Carmichael was slammed. UNC got the dub. Um, it was a good game. Any comments on that, boys? Yeah, I can't say enough of how great of a job I think Coach Banghart is doing with the ladies. Uh, I was looking back. I think they've lost four or five games, but all of the games they've lost have been to good teams. It's been close games. Uh, they, those girls took care of business against a ranked state team and a ranked Duke team. Uh, huge shout out to the fans and the students. Big, big, big shout out to the students. Carmichael was rocking. Uh, they showed UNC what a men's game could be like if the Rams club didn't get uh, 10,000 seats around the court. Uh, I thought that the energy was great. The students were great. Uh, I know Coach Banghart said that um, she was really impressed by the crowd, really thankful for the crowd. So I uh, really love supporting the women, watching the women, and they're doing a great job. They're, Coach Banghart has turned them back around from being a team that wasn't ranked consistently uh, to a team that is really competitive and ranked. So kudos to them. Hats off. Yeah, Banghart's done a great job with them, and uh, I appreciate her coming to Carolina. She's bringing in some great recruits, some great players, and um, even though they're they're finding games where they're having trouble scoring, they're still solid enough on the defensive end to, to make stops and, and make sure that the game is close. So hats off to the women, and I hope they keep doing their thing. And uh, one last thing for Coach Banghart. She'll never listen to this, but if she does, uh, Regardless of what the UNC administration says, keep talking your ish about state. The fans love it. We support it. Uh, say what you're going to say about state, and we'll, we'll back you up. We love it. Uh, it gets us fired up. It's good for the uh, non-existent rivalry there. So uh, we like you. We love you, Coach Banghart. Keep doing your thing. All right, boys. So let's wrap this episode up. Everyone, thank you for joining us for Tar Heel State of Mind Episode 6. We have two games on the slate this week. Syracuse on Tuesday at 9 and then Pittsburgh a rematch in Chapel Hill at 7 on Wednesday next week that will be February 1st so ladies and gentlemen everyone that joined us thank you for joining us and spending an hour in a Tar Heel state of mind this is this is Nathan Nick and Bradley we will see you next week go hills peace